You know, every Sunday morning, I invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's always a part of the service where I ask you if you've ever accepted him to be your Savior and Lord. Well, let's ask a question right now. Why do I always invite you to accept Jesus? I don't give you a multiple choice request. I don't say you can accept Jesus or Muhammad or, or Confucius or any other particular world leader. I always invite you to accept Jesus. Why Jesus Christ? Why is he so important? You know, in our world today, it's all right to talk about religion as long as you don't talk about Jesus Christ. What's so important about Jesus? Several times I've been asked to give the invocation or benediction for an organization, and I've had them say to me, Pastor, we'd love to have you come and pray, but be sure not to pray in Jesus' name. Is Jesus really that important? Is he important enough for me to say, you know, if you want to have me, I'm going to bring Jesus with me, which is what I always say. Why is he so important? Hang on to that question for just a moment, and let me take you back to the cemetery. Let's go back to the, to the grave for just a moment. You know, one of the hardest experiences that I ever have in my ministry is uh, a feeling that I have whenever I leave a cemetery. I've had the joy of pastoring here for 20 years almost, and pastoring before that, and I've stood beside hundreds and hundreds of caskets. And I've had the funeral service, driven out to the cemetery, but there's always a cold feeling that I have whenever I leave the cemetery. For those of you who have lost somebody very dear to your heart, you know what that's like. For a while, you have something to keep you going. It's very painful and very hurtful, but when you're preparing for the funeral service, and you're receiving relatives and friends, it keeps you busy for a while. And beyond that, you still have your loved one's physical body with you for a while. But oh, what a feeling when you go to the cemetery, you have that committal service, and leave the casket there at the graveyard, and then get in your automobile and drive away. There's something about that experience that says to us, it's over, it's over. On a much lighter note, I felt a little bit of that last Monday night. A friend of mine invited me to see WSU play Northern Iowa, a very important game. And WSU played an excellent game for about 39 and a half minutes. They led most of that game by 10 points. But if, you're, if you follow sports, if you follow the Shockers, you know everything came unraveled at the end of the game. And with the clock going to zero, Northern Iowa sank a basket and beat WSU. I stood there with the rest of those thousands of fans and looked at the scoreboard. The scoreboard reflected the score and then all zeros. No time left on the clock. And in the stands or in the, in the field house, I watched people's expressions and they ran the gamut. There were those who were angry and screaming at the refs and there were those with resignation that said, it always ends this way. There were people that stood there with shock. But regardless of what anybody's reaction was, there was one thing very clear. There was no one who could go up and change that score. It was locked in. It was over. Players, I'm sure, for the Shockers felt remorse. If they had given a little more effort here, if they'd done this differently, or if they'd taken this shot, if they'd not taken this shot, maybe the players thought to themselves, if I just had, if I just had a few more seconds on the clock, we could win this game. And maybe the refs did feel bad about a call or two. Maybe they, when they racked their brain, said to themselves, you know, if we called this differently, there might have been a different outcome, and maybe we were wrong about that call. 
But not even the refs could change the score once the scoreboard had gone to all zeros. And there were a lot of us in the, a lot of us in the field house that night. We would have changed the score if we could have. But nothing could happen. It was locked in. It was like driving away from the cemetery. It was over. It was over. Isn't that how death leaves us feeling sometimes? It certainly was for Martha and Mary. You know, they loved Jesus. They were Jesus' friend. And their brother Lazarus was a, and I hope you understand this. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be flipped, but Lazarus was a good buddy of Jesus. Like we saw in the drama, he got to know Jesus in a, in a friendship way. They, they liked to hang out together. Lazarus got sick one day, very sick. So sick that the sister sent a message to Jesus and said, Lord, your friend, the one you love so much is sick. Get here, please. Come and help him. See, Mary and Martha had a feeling that a lot of people feel today. That religion is good for you while you live this life but that's where it ends. And I believe they were coming to know Jesus Christ and coming to know his power. But see, in their way of thinking, Jesus could help Lazarus while he was still alive. But when the clock went to all zeros, that was it. Lord, come help our brother. He's sick. He needs you. Lord, you can help him when he's sick. But after he dies, the window of opportunity is closed. The clock has gone to all zeros. We don't understand exactly why. We have an idea. But when Jesus got the message, he didn't go straight to Bethany. He stayed where he was. And by the time he got to Bethany, Lazarus not only had died, Lazarus had been in his grave for four days. Mary and Martha had gone home, and they said, Jesus didn't get here in time. It's all over. And all of Mary Martha's friends said, it's over. And even the disciples who followed Jesus into Beth Bethany that day said, it's over. But ah, now we're getting to the question I asked you at the beginning of the service. Why Jesus? Why do I ask you to accept Jesus? And the answer simply is, with Jesus... Life's not over when it's over. Death does not mean the end. All zeros don't mean that life ends at that point. Jesus came to Bethany and he asked them to take him out to the cemetery. And all the way, Mary and Martha were struggling with their faith. But Jesus said this to them. He said, believe. He that lives and believes in me will never die. See, someday you're physical existence is going to run the clock to all zeros. For some of us, it may happen in our teens. Others of us, it may happen in the middle years of life. And for some, maybe most, your clock will go to zeros when you become a very elderly person. But what's going to happen to you when your clock goes to zeros? Are you going to stop living? Jesus said this. He said, whoever lives and believes in me will, listen to this again, never die. Never die. Now, could I just tell you today, life's a little more complicated sometimes than we take it. For instance, a lot of people have the idea that you are your body, and when your body dies, you die. You're going to the ground. But the Bible tells us it's a little more complicated than that. Your body is a house. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible calls your body your tent. 
Who wants to live in a tent, right? We all like to go camping sometimes, but who wants to live in a tent? Right now, you're living in a tent. You're living in a throwaway body. You're living in a perishable body. But the real you is not perishable. Inside this tent that you live in, you have a never-dying soul. That part of you that's awake, alert, alive, and thinking, and cognitive, and aware, and loves, and feels. That part of you is never going to die. Listen to me. Your, your monitor is never going to go to a blue screen. That part of you that is inside, that's awake, alert, and alive is, as Jesus said, never going to perish. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You know the Greek word for death is thanatos. All the time, practically in the Bible, most of the time that the word death is translated into English, it's from the Greek word thanatos, which doesn't mean that you stop existing. It means that you separate the, the real you separates from your body and goes either to heaven to be with God or to hell to be separated from, from God forever. That part of you that hears me today that's thinking, alert, and alive, it will never stop living. It will, ne- it will never die. That's why we saw Lazarus up in heaven. While, while everybody was grieving for him down here on the earth, Lazarus was in heaven. Why did Jesus call Lazarus' name? Because Lazarus could hear him. Lazarus was alive. The Bible says, when this tent that we live in wears out, we have a permanent structure, a permanent body that lives forever with God. Good news for you today is you're never going to die. You're going to keep right on living. The greatest question of all, though, is who do you have your faith in? Who do you trust in? If your trust is in Jesus Christ, if you commit your soul, your life, your spirit to him, you have God's promise that not only are you not going to die when this life is over, immediately you will go into the presence of your God. Do you believe that today? That's what God's word says. And that's why I ask you to accept Jesus. Because he not only has power over this life, he has power over the life to come. I'm not insulting anybody's religion today, but I just want to ask you a frank question. Who else but Jesus could stand outside a tomb and call the person on the inside to come out? I know of no leader of any other religion who would have that kind of power. He has that kind of power over life and death. And most of all, he has the power to help you and to rescue you with any problem that you have in your life. See, with Jesus, it's not over when it's over. It's just the beginning. I want to ask you to bow your head with me for just a moment today. As I ask you every week, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I would encourage you to do that right now wherever you are. See, this story is not a myth. It's real. Jesus lived, he died for you, and he rose from the grave, and right now he's in heaven listening for you. Wherever you are, whether you're here in this worship center, you're watching by television, wherever, wherever you might be hearing this message, you can reach out by faith and receive Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. Would you pray with me if you need to receive Christ today? Just You can say these words or whatever words are in your heart. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you just pray this prayer with me with every head bowed, every eye closed? Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you and today I turn from my sin Jesus I believe you died for me I believe you rose from the grave 
please come into my heart and life. Cleanse me from all my sin and make me part of your family. I receive you as my Lord and as my personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Still with heads bowed and eyes closed, today if you receive Christ as your Savior, you prayed that prayer with me. In the quietness of this moment, could I ask you just to raise your hand, please, for a moment and say, Pastor, I pray with you today to receive Christ as my Savior. Any place in the building, yes. Yes. If you prayed to receive Christ, when you came in today, you received a care card. It's part of your worship folder. You can detach that. Let me know that you received Christ. You can just check that place. Say, Pastor, I want you to know I prayed to receive Christ today. You can just leave it in your seat. The ushers will collect at the end of the service. Or I'll be here at the front at the end today. If you want to come and talk to me and say, Preacher, I want to know for sure that I'm going to heaven. You can come talk to me, and I'll be glad to share with you the word of God. May God bless you. And may God help you to know that even on life's darkest days, it's not over when it's over. Thank you.